Well, hey, if you're new here, my name is Jeremy. If you're not here, my na- if you're not new here, my name is still Jeremy. <laughs> and it's not going to change. Um, but if you got a Bible, go to Matthew chapter 13. And today we are um, going to be speaking on the parable of the sower. And uh, this is one of my fav- most favorite passages to talk about. It said that when Jesus spoke this, he was standing next to the Sea of Galilee. And the way that they say this is that there was probably a farmer next to them as he said this message. It says that in, it says in Matthew 13, starting at verse 1, that same day Jesus went out of the house. And sat beside the sea, and great crowds gathered about him, so that he got into a boat and sat down. And the whole crowd stood on the beach, and he said to them many things in parables, saying, A sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seed fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured them. Other seeds fell on the rocky ground where they did not have much soil. And immediately they sprang up, and since they had no depth of soil, but when the sun rose, they were scorched. And since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil and produced grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears, let him hear. I'm here to tell you this morning that the state of your heart determines the fruit of your life. God, I just pray today um, we need to hear from you. We just say we are not here to hear a man speak. We're not here to just come to have a service. But we are coming to the living God who loves to speak to his kids. And we just say, speak, Lord. Your servants are listening. We say our hearts are open. We pray that in every space where there might be hardness, any space, Lord, where there might be rocks, any space there might be thorns, we pray all of that removed, Lord, so that we might be good soil. Amen? Amen. Amen. It says in verse 18, and this is where we're going to spend the bulk of our time, 18 through, uh, or sorry, yeah, is it 18? Yeah, 18. Start at verse 18. It says this, then hear then the meaning of the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in the heart. This is what was sown along the path. As for what was sown on the rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures for a little while, and when troubles, tribulation, persecution arise on account of the word, Immediately, he falls away. As for the one sown among thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world, the deceitfulness of riches, choke out the word, and it proves to be unfruitful. As for the one sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word, understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields, in one case, a hundredfold, sixty, and in another, thirty. So, What is this seed? And the seed is really this. It's the message of the kingdom. What's the message of the kingdom? Jesus has come to rule. Jesus has come to set up his kingdom to take over. But he's doing it 
not in a way that any of us would expect. He came in on a donkey. I remember everyone thought, wow, this guy who raised Lazarus from the dead, he's coming in. He's going to kick out the Romans. He's going to set up shop and rule. And he's like, but that's not how my kingdom comes. My kingdom comes just like Jesus said in John 12, 23 through 26. He said this, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Truly, truly, I say to you, truly, truly is like another way of saying like I'm really, really saying this. Unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and die, earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Whoever loves his life loses it. And whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, he must follow me. And where I am, there my servant will be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. Here's how God's kingdom comes. Jesus comes and he brings his kingdom. He glorifies himself. He sets up shop by dying. That makes no sense. He sets up shop and he says, unless a seed falls into the ground and dies, it can't bear fruit. First, for his kingdom to come, he had to die, destroying sin and death with him. He took it all on the cross and he died, taking it all. And then two, he had to be resurrected so that sin would be done away with. And now there's this new life, this kingdom that's bursting out, out of the ground. What's interesting is that Jesus says in this John passage, he says, if anybody serves me, he's got to follow me. In other words, when Christ comes and he puts his seed into his heart, he says this to my heart and he says this to your heart. You got to follow me. In just how I died, you have to die. It means it's no longer just my ways, but his, my ways fade away and his rule starts to overtake. I'm making space for his rule and his reign in my heart. The Holy Spirit turns to you and me and he says, let me destroy sin and death in you. And as we die, his resurrection comes to life. The thing about death, though, is it's not exactly fun not exactly simple. We don't go down quietly. We tend to squirm and we struggle. But Galatians 6, 7 through 9 says this, and I thought it was really powerful. Think about the whole farming metaphor. Verse 7 says, don't be misled. You can't mock the God of justice. You will always harvest what you plant. Those who live only to satisfy their sinful nature, that is the cravings of your heart in your life here, will harvest decay and death from that sinful nature. Anybody experience that? Just me. Okay. But those who live to please the Spirit will inherit, will harvest everlasting life from the Spirit. Here's a really important principle of this whole thing. Sometimes what I sow today, I don't see any fruit from for a little while. That means I can sow negative things or positive things, and I'm not going to see any fruit. This is why someone can say, I can do what I want, I'm fine. But folks, whatever we sow into our life will bear fruit. Sometimes it just takes time. Sometimes it takes time for the good things to bear fruit. Sometimes it takes time for the bad things to bear fruit. But God will not be mocked. Whatever I sow into my heart, into my mind, and my life will reap a harvest. It's just a matter of time. It says then in verse 9 in Galatians, it says, so let's not get tired of doing what's good, because at the right time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. 
Harvest time's coming. But what's the seed that's getting in my heart? And this is what it says in Romans 14, 17. Get this. So if we sow to the sinful nature, that's like all my cravings, my desires, just going on autopilot by how I feel. I will reap destruction, death. I will reap like brokenness in relationships. I will, I'll reap all sorts of stuff. But if I say no to that, I then turn and say, let the seed of God bear fruit in my life, following in Christ's way. What happens is what happens in Romans 14, 17, and that's this. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eking, e- eking, eking, yeah. eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. The kingdom of God's not about eating and drinking. It's not about just tangible things we do, but it's, it's also it's a matter of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. That is the fruit of a life of the kingdom of God sown in my heart. What is righteousness? Another way of saying that is God's right ways, his justice, healthy relationships, life-giving habits, evil stopped in its tracks. When God's words planted in my heart, right ways spring up in my life and also in the lives of people around me. Second thing that happens is peace. What's peace? No war. No conflict. No war in the mind. No conflict with others. Not anger towards self. Now, I'm not saying that you won't have conflict, but what I am saying is that inner place of the heart is not touched or moved. Why? Because God's peace has taken up rulership there. We have nothing to defend anymore. When he reigns, peace floods in. Proverbs 16, 7 says this. When people's lives please the Lord, even their enemies are at peace with them. What? And I wrote this down. I thought this really just struck my heart. Anxiety is a sign that Jesus' rule hasn't yet come to an area in my heart. I'm not saying that we don't get fearful sometimes, we don't have a hard time. But when their anxiety pops up, it's a place where God wants to have a conversation with me. He wants to say, hey, Jeremy, I want to bring my rule and my reign to that spot, to that hard place. I really want to have a conversation with you. And we live in a generation filled with anxiety. And I think we live in a generation of people that feel like they're on their own. And how much do we need to know that God wants to bring us peace, peace to every heart? Lastly, so you got righteousness, you got peace. What's the last one? Joy. Psalms 16:11 says, "You will show me the path of life. In your presence is the fullness of what? Joy. In your right hand are pleasures forevermore. This is a happy gospel. This is not a serious gospel. Yes, we have to work and yes, life gets hard, but the goal is not just diligence. The goal is that we would walk in the joy that God provides. This is what God has for us. But first comes God's seed to my heart and to your heart. And your heart and my heart is in one of four conditions this morning. One, it might be like the path. And the path is somebody that doesn't understand, doesn't know what to do with God's word. May or may not recognize that God is speaking. Jesus said, Jesus' disciples said to him in the same passage, he said, why do you speak to everybody in parables? And he said to them, 
To you, it's been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but to them, it hasn't been given. What? Jesus then went on to quote Isaiah, and he said this, you people that aren't listening to me, he says, you will hear and keep on hearing, but never understand. You will look and keep on looking, but you will never comprehend. For this nation's heart has grown hard, and with their ears they hardly hear, and their eyes they have tightly closed. Otherwise they would see with their eyes, they would hear with their ears, and they would understand with their heart, and they would turn. A hard heart is the one that says, I'm not looking that way. A hard heart is the one that has heard the conviction of God touching their heart on something, and they're like, eh, I'm going to push that aside. And every time I do this, I let my heart get a little harder, just like a pack. Here's the scary part in all of this, though, you guys. The day will come when my heart might not perceive what God is saying. God is always speaking, and he's always drawing us back. But when I resist his voice, there is a place where God's voice, and if I keep resisting it, it gets a little quieter and a little quieter. Now, the opposite's true, too, that when his voice seems so quiet, but I take a step towards it, it gets a little louder, and it gets a little louder. And, and let me explain this, because you might be in a position where you've had it just like me, where you felt like there was something in something someone said, and it feels like a God thing. Like, for example, whenever I hear someone play the song, um, Oh, the blood of Jesus, oh, the blood of Jesus, there's something in that that makes me go, there's God in that. I remember for a while, I, I used to pray this prayer. I'm seeing all these passages that say, may grace and peace to you. May, may God give you grace and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And I used to just start saying that. I'm like, God, I just pray for grace and peace on my life. And there was something that just jumped in my spirit that I didn't understand. Or, or maybe you're in the middle of worship, and you just kind of keep singing a line over and over, and you're like, there's something about this. My head doesn't get it, but my heart gets it, so I'm just going to keep stepping towards God. This is what the place is where we barely hear the voice of God. We don't understand it all, but we're going to keep taking steps towards him. The other part of this part that's a little scary is it says that these seeds, this conviction, these words from God get put onto the path, onto the top of the path, and it says that birds come and they steal away the seed. That's a scary thing. And I think I can see how that happens. And, I, I, and for example, if God, right now we were all in the middle of the service, which we are, and, and we suddenly felt this conviction, we need to give to the poor. And so that rises in our hearts and the word goes forth, we need to give to the poor, which we do need to give to the poor. And that word gets put in you, and you feel that conviction on the top of your heart. If I don't let that conviction go into my heart, it stays on the top of the heart. And Satan comes, and he steals the seed away. Not the knowledge, but the power to carry it out. Because God's word and God's seed is what gives us the strength to do what God's called us to do. And so whenever he, he says to us to give the poor... Give to the poor. Ask for forgiveness. Stand up and pray. Whatever that conviction, that pull is towards an action where God puts something right on the top of my heart. If it stays on the top, it'll be stolen with the knowledge state. The encouraging thing in all of this is that today it says in Hebrews 4, 8, it says, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. I have a choice. You have a choice to either have a hard heart or a soft heart towards the voice of God. And you can shift that 
anytime you want. If you've been hard before the Lord in the past, you can be, decide to be soft today. We must respond. The second thing is a rocky ground. Now, this is somebody that maybe you had an amazing experience where you encountered the love of God. You saw the faith of God in your parents. You, you, um, you decided, you're like, well, this makes logical sense. I'm going to follow Jesus with my life. But it says that these seeds, they grow down into the ground. But right beneath, about six inches down, there's a rocky layer. And those rocks are in the way from that plant taking root. And what is that? We need to, each one of us, wrestle through the hard questions the places where things didn't make sense, the experiences that we're struggling with, the offenses in our heart, the places where we've been wounded, all of that stuff is like rocks in the soil, and we're trying to be rooted in Jesus, but I got this rock in the way. And God wants to have a conversation with you and with me about the rocks, the questions, the hurts, the frustrations, the guy that did you wrong, all of it. God wants to have a conversation because that is a rock in the way between you going deeper in what God has for you. And then what happens is this. Hard times come. Drought comes. Struggle comes. The winds blow and the troubles come down. And it gets hard and we start to wither up. Why? Because our roots never got through the offenses and the frustrations and the struggles and the questions. God wants to loosen up our heart and get deep into the questions of our heart. I think one of the best things to do in the space of the unanswered question and the unanswered pain is stillness before God where we say, God, here I am. Grab a journal, grab a pen, and just start writing. And then say, God, do you have anything to say to me through your word? Then read God's word and go, God, what do you say about this? And at first you might be like, I don't know if he's saying anything. Keep reading. He will. He wants to speak to you about every hard place. He really does. Really good story. It's a good example of this is uh, John the Baptist. John the Baptist has been arrested. If you know John the Baptist, he was the one who was pointing. He's like, behold, there is the lamb who takes the sin away from the world. And he brings Jesus over. He baptizes him. The spirit of God falls on Jesus so they can see, wow, God's here. And, and Jesus walks away like, wow, the Lamb of God slain for, the, for mankind. And then later, he keeps preaching all this stuff about repentance, turning to God. John the Baptist was the greatest, Jesus said, of all the Old Testament prophets. Well, John the Baptist gets arrested. He's put in prison. In a few weeks, he's about to get beheaded. He's in prison. A couple of his disciples come his way. And he's sitting there, and he says this to his disciples. Can you go to Jesus? And he says this, are you the one or should we be waiting for somebody else? I, I just want to check. Um, I'm probably going to die here in the next couple weeks. Am I on track? Jesus turned to those two disciples and he said this, go and tell John what you've seen and heard. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear, and the dead are raised up. The poor have good news preached to them. And blessed is the one who is not offended by me. Who in this story could have been offended? John. God, you're doing all sorts of stuff all over the place, over there, over there, over there. What about right here? I'm in prison. 
And Jesus is turning to John, and he's saying, don't look at what I'm not doing. Look at what I'm doing. The dead are raised. The deaf are hearing. The people are being transformed. Look at what I'm doing. Don't let offense take over your heart. Trust me in the mystery of pain. Trust me in the spaces where you don't understand. Does that mean he is leaving us alone? No, he is with us, and he has good things for us, but he is greater than what we can perceive. Romans 8, 28. And we know that for those who love God, all things, how many things? All things work together for the good of those who love, for the good for those who are called according to his purpose. All things. John didn't see the whole picture. All he saw is he was in a prison cell. He's hoping he was doing it right. But there was something more that God had for him. Jesus, I don't understand you, but I trust you. Jesus, this hurts, but I love you. Jesus, I'm in pain. I know that you are what I need, but I'm still in pain. I know that you are the way, the truth, and the life. God, I lift this rock of offense, this rock of mystery, this rock of confusion. I lift it to you. Help. My answers are not going to be found on Google, but on my knees in your word. And can I say this? When he speaks, it's enough. It's enough. It's what you need. What he speaks, it's enough. And I'm learning this too, that I find out what I believe when I don't understand, when I don't have it figured out. I find out how far my roots go when I don't understand and when it gets hard. Think about a plant growing up through the soil. It has to push up through the ground, through resistance to get to the surface. What are you doing with the resistance that's in your life? Are you pushing through it? Or are you giving back to it? What do you believe? What do you know? The third one is the thorny ground. This is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke out the word, and it proves to be unfruitful. This is the person who hears from God gladly, who believes his promise wholeheartedly, that says, yes, amen, Jesus is the way and the truth and life. I'm following him. But in the garden of their heart, there's a lot of other seeds growing. Seeds of worry, seeds of anxiety, seeds of stress, seeds of busy busyness. Whatever it is, there's all sorts of seeds. All of that stuff crowds out God's voice in our life, crowds out the seed of God, and it gets choked out by all the other voices. What is growing in my garden? What is growing in your garden today? What am I what seeds am I tossing into my garden? What seeds am I fostering? And I was thinking about this. It says in Romans 12, 2, it says this. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Fearful, renew your mind. Tempted, renew your mind. Stressed out, frustrated, discouraged, condemned, renew your mind. Awesome. How? How? What do we do when that bill comes, when that health issue comes, when, when that stress comes, when that, all that stuff? What do we, how? How do I renew my mind? I was processing that, and I, I found this guy that said this, this line. I thought it was really awesome. He said, we need to interrupt the interruptions. We need to interrupt the interruptions. Here's the thing. If you're in Christ, 
you are a new creation. That means the old stuff's gone. That means who you were is not who you are anymore. No matter how much Satan says anything of that to you, that's not who you are anymore. But we get interrupted by the old patterns and the old things of the world that says this is what's real, this is what's true. We have to then interrupt the interruptions. We have to say, actually, no, that is not true. This is what's true. With that, I got a, you got a phone. Grab your phone, pull it out. And if you can go to the, the slide that has red on it, Ron, that'd be amazing. I found an app yesterday called Shut Up Devil. And on it is a list of all sorts of things that interrupt us. Gossip interrupts us. Health issues interrupt us. Insecurity, jealousy, laziness, lust, offense, pride, rejection, selfishness, loneliness, feeling unloved, temptation. All these things interrupt us. Loneliness comes in and says you're alone. Actually, that's not true. The God of the universe loves me and is with me right now. I'm fearful. I don't need to be afraid. He is for me. He said he was going to protect me. I'm okay. But I, I find I have to interrupt the interruption. Otherwise, that will take root and that will grow in my heart. I got to do weeding, proactive weeding in my heart. Otherwise, I will struggle. Lust pops up. We have to say, you know, that's actually not what I want, that God saves someone for me. And, but the thing I've found about renewing the mind is that my words aren't powerful enough. People talk about, you know, declaring positive vibes or positive. That's not, the power really isn't in how strong or how amazing Jeremy's words are or your words are. The power is in God's word. And his word transforms because whenever God speaks, it changes things, period. So when I take God's word, and if, he, if I have the app and I'm just going to go to, oh, let's say I'm feeling jealous, okay? Got a, got a weed of jealousy. It says this, Psalms 37, verse 7. Wait and trust the Lord. Do not be upset when others get rich or when someone else's plans succeed. And then you take the verse and you say, okay, God, I trust that you have good things for me. Even though they're doing awesome, I know you got good things for me too. And there is a power when we stop, recognize what God is saying, and then say it back to him. And that seed will grow more in our heart. Everybody say, shut up, devil. I like that. The last one is good soil. This is the one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields in one case a hundredfold, another 60, and another 30. What's really fun was when Jesus said a hundredfold, 60-fold, 30-fold. That was way beyond whatever farmers expected in those days. 30-fold was a ridiculous return. That is not what they would have expected. Jesus is basically saying God's word in your life, the, king, the rule of the kingdom in your life will have supernatural increase in your life, in your mind, in your heart. He will transform far more than you ever thought. And you will get a harvest of his right ways, of his peace, of his jo the joy in the Holy Spirit, 30-fold, 60-fold, 100-fold. But Galatians 6 do not be deceived. God, the God of justice, says that whatever you sow in your heart, you will reap. What am I sowing? What am I reaping today? 
Where's Mr. Nick Thompson? I don't see him. Oh, he's laying down? Oh, he's right there. <laughs> Nick, could you, could you come up and... It's okay. He's, he's a working man. He, he works hard. Who appreciates Nick? Anybody? All right. You just put your hands out in front of you, and I just want you to picture, look at your hands. If you could just do like a pad type thing, that'd be cool. Um, that's the condition of your heart today. Just picture like your hands are your heart. It's like the garden of your heart. Is your heart hard? Kind of like a path trodden down with saying, okay, God, I'm resisting. Like, nope, not going to listen, not going to listen. Is it rocky? Are there some questions and some things that you need to wrestle through that you haven't wrestled through? Is it thorny and full of weeds? And there's a space where your heart just so needs to um, do some weeding. Or is your heart ready for God to plant his word in his heart, your heart? I was at a conference last week, and a um, speaker got up and said, he said this, you know, God, I just, I just want to be like a coin in your pocket. Spend me however you want. And right when, I, right when he said that, I put my hand in my pocket, and I had a quarter in my pocket. I'm like, huh, that's fun. Pulled the quarter out, and there was this picture of this lady with her arms stretched out and like a dove behind her. I'm like, I didn't even know they made quarters like this. But think about it. Could you say to God today, God, like a coin in your hand, spend me however you want. You got the way better plan than I do. I just, here's my life. All my resources, my time, my energy, it's all yours. Have your way. What's the condition of your heart this morning? Let's just put our hands out in front of us again. God, we want to turn from hardness. God, forgive us, God, for resisting your voice, God, where you've warned us and you've warned us and you've spoken to us and you said, hey, turn away from that. God, I pray for every heart in this room where there's a hard spot, a resistance to your voice, maybe because of anger or hurt or maybe, maybe we just don't want to listen. God, I just pray over that person in this room today. I, I pray a flexibility. I pray that your word could go deep. And I call out to every voice and every heart in this room and just say, today is the day of salvation. If you hear his voice, don't harden your heart. you got to let him in. Today is the day, not tomorrow. Today. With every eye closed. If, if your heart's been hard towards God, His voice, would you just lift your hand? You don't want your heart to be hard anymore. Yeah. Oh, God, help us. We're a piece of work. <laughs> we're so quick to wander and we're so quick to do our own way. God, I just confess, God, that I need so much your softening in my heart. We need, God, your touch on our hearts, God. I pray, Lord, that this dry and thirsty ground that's our hearts, God, I pray that you would pour the water of your spirit on it today. 
God, that there would be a, a breaking up of hard ground. I, I just say, Lord, today we want to hear your voice and we want to obey your voice. We want to let your seed run deep into our hearts and we want to follow you. Bless your heart, say amen. Some of you got rocky hearts. To you, I say this. You got unanswered questions. You got offenses, frustration. The place of offense is the place where you find out who's Lord of your life. What do you do with the offense? Can I say God is a much better vindicator of yourself than yourself. If you try to defend yourself, it won't work. You ask God to defend you, he'll do it every time, and he'll deal with the people that have done you wrong. Every eye closed, but anybody who you've had a hard, you've had a rocky heart, you have places of unanswered questions or offenses, could you just look at me? Let God dig with, wrestle with God in the hard questions. Sit with a journal. Sit with a pen and say, God, I don't know what to do with this. Wrestle. God has answers for you, but you got to wrestle for it. You got to be willing, like Job, to press through and say, I know there's an answer there. I know that God is with me in this. So, God, I pray for every person that has a wrestle in their heart of a loved one that passed away, of a frustration that happened, of an offense in their heart, of a wounding, whatever it is. God, we want to give you our offenses. Next is the place of the weeds. Church, we have to be people that don't just grit our teeth and bear and run through and try to be strong. We have to stand in his strength, not ours. It's time to weed the garden. He will strengthen you as you declare his truth. He will strengthen you as you submit to his ways. If you had some weeds in your garden, can you just lift a hand? The rest of you can pray for me. God, we just confess, Lord, there's need for some weeding in our hearts. Worry's got to go. Lust has to go. Fear has to go. Condemnation's got to go. Jealousy's got to go. Gossip's got to go. We just say we give it to you, Jesus. And we want to interrupt the interruptions by your spirit. Would you help us, Lord, to turn, not walk on autopilot, but to let you lead us. For the kingdom of God, it's not a matter of eating and drinking, but it's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Can we all just stand on up? If your cry is, God, would you, would you plant your seed in me? Would there be a harvest of your righteousness, your peace, and your joy? Can you just lift your hands to heaven? Let's just lift our hands to heaven. We just say, God, we want your fruit in our life. We don't want our fruit. Our fruit doesn't work. There's no life in our fruit. We need your fruit, the fruit of heaven. And so we ask you, God, for your right ways in our heart to be planted. We ask, God, that your justice would be planted. Your healthy habits would be health planted. God, your a fear of you, God, not a fear of man, but a fear of God to be planted. We pray for God's right ways. Some of you need to go home today and you need to toss some stuff. You need to turn some things over. Maybe you need to dump the alcohol, whatever it is. 
there needs to be a turning and say, I want God's right ways in my heart. Secondly, God, we pray for peace right now. Every heart in this room, we thank you that you are the God of peace. Folks, you don't always feel the peace right away. You have to allow the seed to go in your heart. You have to allow it to grow in your heart. That's when you trust him. His peace grows as you trust him. God, we pray for peace. We just say, anything of anxiety, get out of here. In Jesus' name, we declare the peace of God rules. Jesus rules in our heart. And lastly, we just declare the joy of God, the joy of the Holy Spirit. Some of you haven't laughed for too way too long. God, we pray for joy. 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 More joy, God. More laughter. More hope. More silliness, God. I pray the joy of the Holy Spirit to flood hearts and minds in Jesus' name. Amen. Shut up, devil. I'm serious. We have to be proactive. We can't just allow. you got to interrupt the interruptions. Ron, can you put our um, benediction up on the screen? This fits really well. Let's just pray this with all our heart. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. Oh, Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Bless you. We'll see you at the barbecue in a few minutes. Love you. Amen. <laughs>